Hi, everybody, and welcome to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Kao Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nakoba. What's up? And Ryoji, Sorana- Ryoji Soranaka. Soranaka. <laughs> <Hey>. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to you in a second, but before we start, let me remind all of our listeners of the way they can stay in touch with the podcast. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to download the podcast. You can email us at highsessions@yahoo.com if you'd like to be heard. Send us a question, send us a topic, send us a person you want on the podcast, whatever. If you'd like to get help the show, get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. There you'll be more involved with the show and help select who's on the show and what is filmed, all that kind of stuff. I'd like to thank Jessica and Nick, our two new patrons ah, for this week. So thank nice. you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank really you. Really appreciate Mahalo. it. Thanks. And actually, I just appreciate everybody in general who has been supporting the show. And we've been actually getting calls lately of people who want to come on the show because they feel as though they can, you know, get a word out about something if they mm-hmm. come on the show. So the fact that people think that <laughs> means that you think that yeah. <laughs> you know it means that th- there's something to it i mean like people are listening to the show in some capacity right yeah yeah so, yeah, so, so, so. Um, you you y- called it you said it's going to take at least a year and a half right either that or yeah. they go oh my god these guys need help <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what i'm just realizing i'm not going to cut this out or anything but Devin. yes i had you marked as ryoji and i had ryoji marked as Devin. okay so, okay, I have to adjust your because Devin laughs when he laughs, he's really, really loud. loud, which is good. It's a nice, hearty yeah, laugh. I try. Right. Uh, please support Kupu Kupu Landscaping, who was our sponsor, Landscape Contractors. Now, uh, Kevin would like me to let everybody know that they are hiring. Oh, they are hiring $15 an hour for landscapers, experienced, preferred, but willing to train with good attitude. Mm. I told him that a um, couple of years. My, that's where I'm going to set my kids for summer work. I know, right? Yep. Have yeah. them do some digging and some landscaping, get their hands dirty, you know, because it's some like real and work. And then you can say, your grandpa does this all the time. Exactly. And so he said, uh, you know, maybe not for you, but if you know somebody who's looking for a job and wants to, to work, get in touch. You can email us at highsessions@yahoo.com. We'll put you in touch with Kevin. And um, uh, Kyle, you have something that you wanted to talk about on the show before oh, we start yeah. as well. Oh, we, uh, Hang on. Forgot. Super prepared. Yeah, as always. Barefoot League and High Life just launched this. Cut. Uh, speak into the mic, man. Shirt. He never does. I know. Yeah. Stop talking to the mic. Oh, okay. No one can hear you. Barefoot League and High Life just launched this special uh, Cole Brennan tribute shirt with the family. So proceeds will go to the family. Um, you can purchase the shirt at barefootleague.com or highlife808.com and soon to be at um, Hamada General Store. Nice. It's a nice shirt, man. Good oh, job. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, and Kyle designed it. Yeah, and Kyle designed it. Yeah, all the proceeds go to the family. So yes. That would be good. Um, lastly, stick around because this will be a kind of an extended podcast. Uh, we are going to talk to Ryoji for the normal time, but also it's been something that's been on my to-do list, but uh, Nick from the Mental Health Toolkit who's uh, on the mainland, has been interested in coming on, and I did get to do a one-on-one with him. So we're going to be putting that toward the, toward the end of this podcast. But So basically, 
Nick is is uh, um, up on the main line and he's got this kit that he's been working with like law enforcement and first responders that help you deal with people who are autistic or mentally compromised and maybe can calm situations down and whatnot. So he kind of explains about that that toolkit, what's in it, and how he's trying to promote it to other areas. And I think there is a fire station here that has a toolkit now. Okay. So uh, stick around for that because it was a pretty interesting conversation that I had with Nick. So this and is a book or just a bunch of skills that he teaches you? No, it's it's a it's actually a kit, and there's like. Um, you know, there's like squeezy toys and things that make noise oh, or oh. things that can distract people so that, you oh. know, they can uh, oh, just to calm them down if they're calm all them down oh, or like yeah, change yeah. their focus. Because uh-huh. a lot of times, you know, like uh, maybe law enforcement be asking a person that's mentally compromised a question and th- their brain is going all over them. They can't focus. Right. So if you give them something to do and they're doing it, they're drawing or they're doing something and then you ask them, then it's easier for them to respond. Mm. Oh, that's cool. You know, okay. Things like nice. that. So he's a he's some kind of psychologist. He has a degree. I, I, I'm totally butchering this thing. I, I, I should, <laughs> should have, have him on written this down. Just but he, trust he, us. He's he's smart. He yeah, he's going to explain all of this in, talk in, about in the that podcast after. But, uh, not right yeah, now. So, so please stick around for that because uh, it was it was a good interview and um, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> all right. All right. And congratulations on not having to wear your mask outdoors anymore, folks. Yeah, we just got that news right before we started. So Governor Ige has... Uh, Got rid of the mask mandates. If you're outside, uh, outdoors, indoors, you, still gotta wear. Outside, yes, outside. <laughs> as oh. of now, yep. As of now, so yeah. indoors, gotta wear mask. Like, how are we wearing mask? Yes. Uh, apparently, if you are, uh, if everyone in the room is vaccinated, you don't have to. But if it's a larger group of people, you should wear a mask. Gotcha. Well, we're all vaccinated, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're yes. good. So, okay. All right. Real G, since I screwed up this thing, can you talk real quick so I can make sure that your levels are okay? What's up? How's it? Yeah, okay, you're good. All right. <laughs> okay. So, Devin, can you help me introduce Yoji? Because, you know, y- you guys are friends. I know Yoji has a, has a restaurant in Japan called Ogo Onoloa. Uh-huh. Is it still in Akasaga? Yes, it is. We shut down one time and we reopened in a... Uh different location close by. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Is it currently open? Yes, it is. So are, are they following like guidelines and stuff like that? Because sure. No. Yeah. So uh, for a while they had that uh, you have to close the restaurants at eight o'clock. Then right. they did away with that. Uh, and that's when we reopened uh, in a different location. And shortly after uh, there was a spike. Oh. So now it's back to, okay, you got to pull liquor at seven and oh. close the restaurants at eight. But uh, having said that, the government actually pays... Out like six hundred dollars a day or sixty thousand yen a day. Help you guys out to you know. So a lot of uh, mom and pop's place or like my place is not too big. Uh, sometimes it makes you know it's pretty good. Mm. It, uh, it's the support is pretty good as far as income, right? So, but those bigger companies, you know. Yeah. That, right. What we're gonna yeah. do with six thousand yen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of establishments that only open night time. Huh? Yeah. So it doesn't even make sense to even open if. No. Yeah, you gotta close right away, and you gotta pull liquor at seven. What you gonna do for one hour? In, yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah. Japanese so. restaurants in itself is usually packed with people sure. and sure. seating. Is it now in Japan where you only can allowed to put half seating in? See, that's a good different? question because the last time I was in Japan in January was a little bit more uh, lenient. Uh, like my son was been in, in Japan, so he would know. But uh, I don't think they really have that uh, six feet. Six feet now. It's out of Nihon restaurant, mother. 
No, he said no more. Just that they close at uh, eight o'clock. Mm. Oh. Yeah, but interesting. Yeah, but people are not really kind of, I guess, kind of not going out. But yeah. mm-hmm. so just within that two month period, when I was I came back from Japan in end of January to, you know, like now, like my son goes back to Japan day after tomorrow. But now, you know, us guys with Japanese passports, we didn't have to take a PCR test. In Hawaii before we go to Japan, but now we ha- now he has to. Oh, mm-hmm. and so just when I was coming back to Hawaii, I had to take the PCR test in Japan prior, but I didn't have to when I was going. But now, yeah, everybody has to for a time being. And you know the mask thing in Japan has always been a yeah, it's always thing. been eighty percent of the people. So now is it even more? Uh, you don't really you, you can't really tell the difference because the only difference you see is foreigners wearing masks now. Oh, okay. Mm. But in Japan, uh-huh. you, and you, you know the biggest reason why people uh, wear masks in Japan, uh, about eighty-five to ninety percent of the Japanese people are allergic to cedar. So during really? the months of like uh, end of February to maybe like in the May that's when the pollen you know the the, the yeah. pollen from the cedar oh it's bad even me oh the thing is mean you know I think really? busts you up eyes nose but you would think because breathe. you live there they'll be accustomed to it and would uh, like but I had to get like steroids uh, you know for eye drop steroids but it, but it, you know it's connected to your nose so that was the best but you go to the doctor they give you these medication pills they don't it, it doesn't work mm-hmm. I tried them all you know uh, you know all the US brands you yeah. know the Norc when does when does it bloom what time of year oh the season is like uh spring kind of oh, okay. so yeah. even like you know during the uh, sakura yeah you yeah. ever had that problem john just going and traveling with okay i've never gone in sp- yeah. every time it's been summer and winter mm. i don't think i've ever gone in spring but get it. some you know different uh different stuff like summertime which is not i, I guess it's not but i guess the cedar is pretty major like oh majority of japanese people are allergic but it's wow. bad you know thing boss you up kind wow huh yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, so, so sorry. Wait, I got kind of sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> is a it's like, as soon as it's done, I went, well, it's a kidney, right? It's a kidney. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Nobody yeah, really okay. cares. It's fine. So it's He's a, here. So restaurant tour, but also is a music promoter in yes. Japan. So he has a little bit of the music side there yes. as well. But he's a local boy at heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot we can cover. So that's why we have him yeah, in the studio thanks, today. Man. So I don't know where to start too, you know what I mean? Just, just well, go with the flow. Honestly, I kind of screwed. I mean, if I didn't stop us right now, we would just kept would have kept going with that. Yes. I, I I just can't believe the cedar yeah. is a, is a problem. We learn something new every yeah. week, yeah, John. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always thought the masks were because you know Japanese are very polite, and if they were not feeling well, they didn't want to spread their germs to other people. But now what you're is saying that too. Well, and they wear it here when they're on vacation sometimes too. So I just thought they were. They were, they we're didn't just want to get so sick. used, so used to it already. Mm. In, in that sense, you know, so used yeah. to it. Most of the Asian countries are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I did, I did learn from using the mask, and this was even before the pandemic was, you, you know, when I would travel to Japan or Taiwan or what, you know, whatever. Man, by the time I get off the plane, my my whole nose and back of my throat would be all dry, you know, uh. because of the the airplane air and stuff. But you wear the mask, even if you only wear it for like the first hour or a couple hours. I guess because the thing is holding your moisture near your face. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd feel way better hmm. when I get off the plane. Oh. So I used to wear the mask on the plane. That makes sense. You know? You know what's but, weird is, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, but when I went to Japan, the mask that everybody wore wasn't really fashion. was just like an a N95 or a regular plane mask. Yeah, not even N95, like these kind. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it took COVID 
and Hawaii people and I, probably people in the mainland to make it a fashion thing where you started sewing your own mask and <laughs> using patterns and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that has catched on in Japan or will catch on in Japan now? Probably not. Probably not. It's probably not. Yeah. It's so ingrained already. Yeah. That the way they... But it became such a fashion statement for us in Hawaii, right? At that one point. Yeah. But they'd rather have the cheap ones. You have to have them match your clothes, your law shirt. Thing, this is you know? partly your fault. You don't want said go make them and sell them <laughs> for your store, so that's why that's why it suddenly took off and everybody was buying them. Yeah. So you so you started you have your restaurant in Japan and then moved here in 2017 to start doing some some. How did you get into cooking or food? Uh, Are you, you have a I mean that was my first. I mean the reason why I moved to Japan was to open we uh, opened the restaurant. Oh. So I didn't have nothing to do as far as the music side okay. it just came about where you know my anniversary my 30th anniversary because there's so much local people in uh, japan that used to come to my restaurant so i'm going to give him something on my anniversary so, uh, you know brought some musicians whoever i could get you know right, uh right. and you know they had a blast it's just kind of kapila style next year let's do it again then you know i, I bought a couple of bigger name musicians to cut to someone and from there i just met a lot of people then the musicians started coming through my restaurants and uh, then they would they would post give me a lot of plug, mm. and that's how I got to know some of them, uh, and that's where it started, and it just took off from there. Where I started doing uh, events within the Tokyo area, uh, and it expanded out to where other promoters would hire me to book musicians or uh, kumuhulas. And from there, I, I branched out from Tokyo. We do uh, throughout Japan, we do big venues and stuff, and we also uh, on the right. Uh, working visas entertainment visas for the musicians oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. so th- that's that's how it kind of just e- evolved but so were, were you always in, interested in cooking because uh, your stuff yes, looks, yes and no but I wasn't stuff looks delicious yeah I wasn't <laughs> I, I had never had professional schooling but it's always something that I like to do but huh. I think my first was when I moved to Oregon to go to college and uh, oh local that. boys we played football together and we used to do potluck all the time and that's all, you know, that's how I started doing my own stuff. So in your restaurant, what kind of food do you serve? Are you uh, serving Hawaiian, Hawaiian food? Hawaiian food, local food. Hawaiian food, local food. Oh. So oh. we even uh, grow the dry land kalo for a lao laos. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get, it's kind of a little bit down. Uh, actually, uh, when you said uh, Kamakura, it's more, it's a little bit more down yeah. towards Atami. Uh, we, we, my mother-in-law lives there. We have a house there and we have some land where we do the, uh, the kalo. My mother-in-law clips it freezes it vacuum seals it and sends it to the restaurant but it's seasonal because once the frost hits not like hawaii um get winter i mean yeah, in yeah, Japan, yeah, yeah, but yeah once the frost hits we lose the leaves so about three four months out of the year we know more uh the kind of lala can you tell the difference between a lala from a dryland kalo and a wet negative king kamehameha couldn't tell the difference i think really <laughs> <laughs> no but for a way it's you know why because it's the same it's, it's the the taro it's the same thing. It's a giant, but we don't use the. Uh, we only use them for the leaves. Uh huh. Because once you start clipping on the leaves, you lose all the nutrition. You don't get the you know the root. Because uh. the Japanese that dryland taro, the the root is the satoimo. They call it the satoimo. It's a small potato you see in like nishime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of don't like, but I like poi. You know. Mm. <laughs> so. Huh. But we're we're that's why we use lao lao and off season. Uh, if I'm gonna use spinach, and I rather not use them. We just use seasonal. Yeah. So, so you left Hawaii to go to Japan to open, to open a restaurant. Pretty much open a restaurant, oh. but but yeah. you were born in Japan. Born in Japan, educated in Hawaii, Aya High School, represent. Yeah, but uh, public school. 
yeah, public school. school. Okay. I went to uh, went to college in Oregon, Oregon Tech. Then uh, came back. Was in the travel business for a while. HIS. Moved to the restaurant. Then I moved to Japan. Oh, By the way, you can tell your son. No worry, we get we're recording too, so he only recording. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, he's gonna sit like this for like forty-five minutes. I was like, oh my god, no worry, bro. We get your coffee. I'm back. We're gonna die. You get charge up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> But yeah, then just kind of everything just evolved to a point where you know, food is my love. But it was just anything that had to do with Hawaii uh, I was doing things that are, that are parallel to Hawaii Tourism Japan HTJ yeah. and there was Densu by the way before uh-huh. and they used to support me and so I used to do all the caterings for like the, uh, the you know the HTA HTJ stuff and the UH alumni chapter Japan and the Iolani and Punahou alumni so that's it was just kind of so anything to do with Hawaii was just like thrown into my lap sometime uh-huh. and that's all like the Channel 2 when we did Tsunami, uh, they contacted Ross Mihara. If you know anybody, we like shoot for, uh, you know, Tsunami and Ross goes, oh yeah, go talk to this guy, Roji. And that's how me and Ron, we just like connected oh, and okay. became good friends. So it just, I we see. help each other out, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're like local people in Japan and everybody that we know are in like different fields. I mean, a professional athlete, you know, Benny guys, get lawyers, people in finance, restaurant, hotel guys. So we need something. We just reach out to, you know, one of us. Uh, the strong Hawaii yeah, connection. Yeah, no, it's all, yeah. yeah so it's, pretty cool so they used to call it like the cheers of uh hmm. japan because my prior restaurant was really small which i ran for 19 years until we just relocated uh, maybe 20 seats and oh at one point like when i first started i never have like too much you know staff and stuff and every fridays oh, it would be packed like standing all like iolani guys used to come huh. in to a point where like oh, I'm, I'm making food and the, uh the guy would go to the tap Four beers and tell me, hey, those three beers, eh? I'm gonna mark them down for you. And you know, it was, oh, it was like that. So it was, it was super cool. We just had that atmosphere. So I think if it wasn't for the local boys, uh, the first two years, maybe I, I, my restaurant wouldn't have survived. Mm. The word of mouth was just huge. How many other authentic Hawaiian food places uh, do you no, know in no Japan? More, no, no more, more, right? No more. So where did you learn how to uh, cook Hawaiian food and all that? Bro, it's just passion, bro. I mean, I grew up around, you know. Uh, I'm from, you know, I grew up with a lot of Filipinos, you know, Samoans, Hawaiians, you, you know, so, but it's just, you got a passion, then you're going to, you, you're going to get, edu- you're going to educate yourself, because I never had formal culinary, you know, schooling, yeah. So, you, so you open this restaurant, it becomes kind of a hangout for Hawaii-based people, and then at a certain, how many years was it when you brought your first musician up there? Oh, uh, my third year. Third year, so okay. 2006. So you, so you do your... Third year anniversary, you think, yeah, well, maybe we'll get a couple of guys to come up and play. So then that gets started, and that's how you get your foot into starting to promote sure. local music now. And, you know, again, like, food is my love, but because of the capacity of immersion, there's always a roof on revenue. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the caterers and the big events, so, you know, as the other side grew, our bread and butter actually became the, the music side. Oh, wow. Because oh, we, do, we do, you know, six, seven hundred venues, uh, six, you know, on, on one tour, six, six of those on one tour throughout Japan, uh, you, you know, and so, and we're talking about bringing up musicians during, so if it's one musician's uh, CD release tour, we would break it up into one year and hit like, you know, okay, during this time, this period, we'll go f- five shows, five CDs, we'll do another five CDs, so these guys just come up like six, eight, nine times a year, mm-hmm. you know. I don't. I don't think I should name who and who, but you know, there's yeah, yeah, times yeah, yeah. where you know I, I brought this one guy up like eleven times, 
So like every month came out to Japan. Cause we used to do big gigs, but we used to do small gigs. Mm. Yeah. You know, like uh, Hawaiian, therefore uh, not the Hawaiian restaurants though. You, you know, uh, that would do lives where who uh, you know the owner's wife had a halal. You know, mm. a lot of restaurants are like that in Japan. So they would have a studio or they would do, <laughs> you know, small mini events with the halals at the, you know, at the restaurant. Well, and I, I feel like gigs. whenever whenever you go on tour as a musician, you always have your main show. That's the main reason why you're there. And then, but while you're up there, it's like, well, is there anything else we can do? Because you don't want to be just sitting at the hotel, right? So, mm-hmm. might but, as well you, but you know what was cool uh, with what I was doing? I think it was a little bit different uh, because, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm Japanese, but you know, my heart is my heart is over here on a local boy, so I can understand because a lot of the promoters that bring they're, they're Japanese. I'm not saying it's bad, but there's a cultural difference. Huh? There's a barrier uh, yeah. where you don't, you know, some things that you don't understand the culture and stuff, but that's where uh, I would click with the musicians uh, when we go to Japan. But I also know the Japan side. So, you know, it made, you know, life easier for that would both be nice. sides, you know. I always tell people it's funny because Japan tradition is after the show, they take you out to dinner. Yeah, yeah Usually, yeah. right? And you have a meal and whatnot. But I don't speak Japanese. But everybody else that I be with does. So I'd just be sitting here for like an hour and a half and everyone is just talking and the head smiling. just like, <laughs> you know, looking around, the smiling. Like, yeah, so, food is great. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so that's how I remember one year I got into World Cup because wherever we'd go, it's the year of the World Cup, so they'd have it on the TVs. So I'd just be watching because you can watch soccer without, you know. Speaking Japanese. Yes, with the sound or whatever. <laughs> so that's how I got, I got sucked into it, you know. Oh, okay. that was cool just to keep that atmosphere because if you look at even the shows in Japan then you got the MC and it always it's all like uh, man off, off script you know it's off of the uh, script uh-huh. and it's real yeah. formal you know like and uh, <laughs> one time it was on tour uh, I forget whose CD release tour it was in Kanazawa it was one of our shows and had uh, the boys from Aipuna Kamakakona and Art MC never sh- uh, couldn't make it last minute and it was like a 500 seat venue and they're like Roj, you got to do them, man. I was like, bro, I don't like talking in front of, you know, but I wasn't going to go, uh, you know, just just off the screen, you know, just formal. I'm not, you know, so I kind of did them in half English and Japanese and just, you know, I just, it was, it was kind of screwed up. It was fun. The boys said it was funny because I couldn't, actually, I had a, stuff I was writing, but I couldn't read my own handwriting, you know, during the stuff. But <laughs> then, you know, on stage, I just crumple them up, just throw them away. But, you know, just, just you know, ad-libbing. Just, it can be like De- Devin and... Um just go off your iPhone. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, it works the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, there's the band. Yeah, I'm leaving. But now, but now the, the Hawaiian, Hawaiian music, the Kula is so big in Japan and pre-COVID. Well, I was going to say, yeah. Well, so what is the status now? Because I heard that, you know, things had been kind of slowing down. and But, um, you know, it's funny because Kalapana was, was a big deal in Japan, right? But then now it became a big hula thing. So like a lot of the Hawaiian artists, but are there contemporary guys going anymore? Uh, okay, or, so what, what is the what is the market like up there now? Uh, uh, hula. I mean, if you're looking on a business standpoint, yeah. and if you're a musician, you want to make money, you have to play songs that the halals dance to. So okay. when you're talking about uh, Kalapana, you, you know, like CNK and one generation before me, but that's the kind of music I, you know, when I got into this, I kind of had to crash course onto the uh, Hawaiian, you know, the, the, the hula. I'm more, I'm more of the, you know, the old school Jawaiian and I like the Kalapana Olomanas, that kind. Yeah, sure, but sure. Like, I do, like, my customers uh, that are non hula, I got the surfing customers, guys that are like 50 and above. 
they come to Hawaii once a year. They they surf in Japan. They're the Kalapana, Cecilia and Capono, and and that kind. So I I did uh, my ten year anniversary. Uh, what is that? Henry Capono did my ten year anniversary, and oh wow, and had a lot of those guys. But sometimes when I do the ones with all like Kula, the surfing that generation people not come. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would maybe to support me, but in general, you know, if it wasn't me or you know, they wouldn't buy tickets to go watch. But if Kalapan was playing at the Cotton Club in Tokyo, then you know they would go Columbus. This whole crowd, but as far as making money, I mean, you're looking at three million plus hula dancers in Japan. Right, right, right. So, uh, and this is just that's how it is. If because if you think about it, to fill venues. I mean, there's other promoters. I'm, I'm not big time, but you know, five big, five, six, seven hundred seat venues, maybe uh, five shows in you know span of three weeks. But there's guys that do you know two thousand seat venues. But in order to even fill consecutive shows of five, six hundred people, you need the hula halals to participate because half of the customers that are watching that buy tickets are the hula dancers because they mm-hmm. they're dancing on stage. Mm-hmm. So you got to cater to them because they're not gonna go to a show. I mean, unless it's catering show, but they can go to a show mm. with another, you know, with another halal dancing. If if they're dancing, you know, they can call her, you know, the family, you know, and stuff. So that's that's how. So promoters actually set quota, yeah, to buy tickets to you know participate to dance on stage with with the real guys. Oh, I see. So these guys are coming. We send the halals, uh, you know, uh, the info, and they come back and say, okay, we want to dance this song to this band. So we say, okay, uh, then the quota you gotta buy so and so much tickets, and that that's how it works. You know, you know what's interesting. One of the m- most interesting gigs that I've done was, um, it, uh, so it was a ukulele. So it was a ukulele performance or whatever in Japan, and um, but when when we got there, it was all well, I shouldn't, yeah, pretty much all women, and I I kind of peeked my head out and I kind of looking. Oh, okay. And there was a band before us that was going to do Hawaiian music, right? And then. I went backstage and then I come back out and everybody's in like full like hula. They all changed at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that happened. And then the band goes up and they're like, they're playing all the hula songs and then everyone is standing on the side and if they knew it, they would walk to the middle. So it's like a dance party, but it was hula, mm. you know? And then, the, so that was pretty cool. And then afterwards, after they were done, I went backstage and I was kind of getting ready, and then we come back out. Everyone had changed back in regular clothes. They brought all the seats back, and then they all sat and down. They sat down. They watched the concert. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, that was it. That was super interesting. But going back to your question, that's what it is. hula is probably you know, uh, but but uh, ukulele, you know, ukulele is big, and everybody knows. You know, I mean, Jake was a guy that really uh-huh. broke that. You know, but I still think uh, as much as you know, like Jake's name is so universal, but I I think there's still. Uh, I mean, there's still room for ukulele, mm-hmm. but as far as the hula events and the stuff that we do, I mean, now pre right before the COVID, there's too much events, so we started we stopped oh. kind of doing uh, bigger shows in the major cities like Tokyo, Yokohama, and Osaka because there's just too many people doing too much events, and you know sometimes the halal. See, that's like, what I was hearing. Yeah, I was halal hearing was like, little... oh, we can go this one, we're not gonna go down, mm-hmm. or we cannot do both yeah. because it costs money. You, 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 you know, you know, I mean that mm-hmm. kind of. So we started hitting the countryside. You know, Sendai. We, you know, we we go down to Shikoku. We do, you know, the other, uh, you know, countryside Niigatas and stuff like that. Oh, okay. in Japan, is there like, is hula just all over? Ah, cho. Yeah, nuts. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, the is there an epicenter of hula? Yeah, in it's Japan? it's Kanto, but most 
the biggest like Yokohama area is get has the most. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, we always have. They got Hawaiian town over there. Yeah, Yokohama, Yokohama area yeah. has the most. They had that one. Uh, I guess they changed the venue. They had this one in the summer called Aloha Yokohama mm. at the Osambashi Pier. Yeah, probably was like three days. So like five hundred thousand people come yeah, through. Holy huge over there. Yeah, but they so they would. It's a free event, but then they have so much. What well, they would charge like, like four thousand dollars a day for food boots. Damn! Wow. But the good ones would make like twenty grand. You know, mm. I mean, I mean sales, but. Kind yeah, of. you guys ever been on that side? Mean you know mm. the docks. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah, 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 I've been there many times. So that's probably where I'm. That's where you went. And that's what I'm talking about. All sounds right there. The docks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The big event over there. So. Yeah. But then you know Osaka get big ones. Uh, I just remember Yokohama was summertime, like August. You know. Yeah. And it gets hot and humid over there, oh, right? Because yeah. oh, you're by yeah. the water. But I don't get hot. That's my one superpower. You know. <laughs> well, it's because you're skinny. That's. Yeah. yeah. So I'm fine. Mm. And I just remember Herb had like fans all over the like, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there like, oh, this is great, you know, outside, and just like, God, what's wrong with you? But matter of fact, right next to that venue where I get that, uh, that pier to port, they always had, had one ukulele festival at the yeah, red yeah. brick, uh, the red, uh, that, that, it's like a, yeah, 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 a red brick something? Yeah, or? yeah, the red brick hall, a red yeah, brick, yeah, yeah, Akarenga, yeah, so, but, yeah, yeah, so again, so ukulele is big. It's fun. It's fun going. I, I really miss. I really miss going. I hope we can get up there but again. But that's but. that's Hawaiian, I guess. You know, uh, I mean, it's the hula. Unless so, you're Jack Johnson, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah like international. You're gonna, he, he gonna feel on stadium. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's not because he's uh, he's from Hawaii, he lives or he's from Hawaii, but it's just as a you know as an artist. Yeah, he's on a he's yeah. on his other so level of yeah being able to sell yeah. tickets. So is the plan when the pandemic is, uh, when things start opening up? Now, I know that Japan, you were telling us that you're still pretty locked down right now. <coughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, as things open up, are you going to get back into that promoting? Or is that kind of a... Um, we, got, we got shows pending in October. We got like... Oh, really? Oh, so yeah. you're still doing it? We okay. got uh, three weekends in a row in October. And actually, one of the musicians told me, hey, what we still on or what? October. <laughs> I said, you know what? Realistically, this year, uh, I wouldn't count on it. Mm, well, yeah. Even even though things open up, I mean, you're just asking to lose money because how many people are gonna show up? Huh? Mm. Oh, what is your prediction on the Olympics happening? It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. I mean, it gonna be like you know how like the football season was probably uh, no spectators. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they cannot. I don't think. They, I mean, all the money they already lost, they cannot afford to postpone or cancel. You know, again, not gonna happen. I doubt it. Yeah. I really doubt it. Hmm. So, pandemic, uh, your plan was to, from what I read, mm. your plan was to open a restaurant here, but because of the pandemic, you kind of switched your model to a delivery type. Uh, actually, uh, kind of yes. I mean, if it came along, yes. But uh, what happened was I moved to Hawaii. I, I, we're, t- we're, we're talking before I started. That one, of, one of the main reasons I moved to Hawaii was uh, my oldest son wanted to, because he was... Uh, Born in Hawaii, but raised in Japan, educated in Japan, and he was going to be a, soft, a a freshman. And he told me that or he told my wife that he wanted to go to Hawaii to f- start and finish high school because he was born in Hawaii. So, you know, as a father, I felt it responsible to do what is best interest for my kids, and that's why I made the move. And so, whatever happens here, you know, I had to find a source of income. So I did consulting work. Uh, I opened a couple of restaurants for uh, somebody, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if something came along and I mean there was a couple of opportunity talks about uh, investors coming in and then wanted to open a restaurant uh, you know under my name and stuff but then the pandemic hit then 
you know, I was like, oh, what are we going to do? Because a lot of my catering contracts were the Japanese companies. Oh, yeah. Uh, the halal groups. That kind of stuff. That was all, you know, my the actual caterings that I used to do was ma- mainly the Japanese tour company contracts and the halals and stuff. But all that died. Huh? So I was like, oh, what are we going to do? But I'm in for cars now. But, you know, but <laughs> uh, then I just felt, hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, people still got to eat. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And it actually was uh, my good friend that kind of threw that idea out to me and and I was like okay so I started this group on Facebook called uh, Ogo Alum- uh, Alumni yeah. I'm not oh. too keen with like Instagram and that kind of stuff I mean kids but uh, so <laughs> Facebook so I started this group of Ogo Alumni and I invited nine it's a private Facebook group okay? okay so I invited nine people to that group and there are people living here from Hawaii that were my former customers in Japan oh. that used to live in Japan so I figured uh, you know lawyers and stuff you know they, they kind of Got connections. I said, you know, I'm gonna put you guys on the list. I'm gonna shoot out the menu. Number one, you can you can order some food, and number two, you can put the word out and see how it goes. And within two weeks, I was up to like 900 people. Wow. Uh, now I got like 3,000 people, and and it just started. But what I started doing was, uh, to date, I've I've donated over 4,000 meals. I was doing wow. uh, first responders, but a lot of people was doing first responders. So I started to do you know the, in my community because uh, my both boys played baseball and football but the baseball season got cut off short school you know what I mean it was just yeah. uh, my, my second son here he lost his senior season and he, he, you oh, know, he yeah. wants to play baseball in college but scholarship chances are really you know kind of out the window right. uh, you know and you know just to build morale I did the whole IA high school athletic department you know uh, team by team you just do a drive by you know they pump fists pick up the bentos do that kind of stuff uh, the musicians I was donating to the musicians like Sean Finn Mattel had the stuff you know and I used to drop up food at the oh, studio nice. uh, whoever you know that, yeah. that, that that kind of stuff and I we guess, love Sean he's a frequent yeah. guest on this on this station <laughs> so he, on he, both he, the videos and the podcast yeah. and so he helped me do some promotions you know he, they did the uh, at the Aya High School they did a, him and Lehua their own song at the high school to, you know for last year's graduates and so oh, you know nice. and then I was doing the police stations you know whoever I can donate to I just boom I just, just dump the food out and, and you know and that's because I, I got almost no support from the government you know them saying oh yeah three point whatever billion getting pumped into the state not all of us getting it right? you, you know yeah. what I mean even the musicians how much are the musicians not getting it you know we're self employed or, or t-shirt designers Right, you, you know what oh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I hear you. I hear yeah, got nothing. And I know plenty of people, and I, I, uh, you know, families in Aya, they get, they get, they get two multiple kids, and they're not getting no support. And you know, it's, I mean, I know it's just lunch on plate, but you know, every little thing helps. Oh, it helps. It's, it's yeah. the thought, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's you know, and in the beginning, I, I honestly, in the beginning, by doing that, it was more of a uh, angle, marketing angle, to boost my business, mm-hmm. to do. Uh, but it's still doing, doing good, right? Yeah. And uh, my wife in Japan would always tell me, you know, just again the cultural difference. Like, you going through a hard time now. Why are you donating food for free? Why are you donating food for free? I said, yeah, you know, I just make an excuse. But after doing it for a while, it actually really, fe- it actually really felt good. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted to do it. So after a while, now my wife tells me, like, hey, why are you donating food? I said, you know, because it feels good. And but I, you know, that's that's true sure, because yeah. I just believe, uh, yeah, you just ba- do good bad karma, good karma. Eh? Yeah. Just do, you know, I believe in karma. So you do come back yeah. does it yeah. kind of feel full circle that you move back home and your kids are getting educated at your alumni no it's, no, it's, it's trippy yeah, yeah yeah 
Because uh, are, are your kids are going to be educated through IA high school, right? Uh, that's me. You know, again, before, you know, my wife would be like, oh, what about private school? I was like, nah, public school, no money. That's why. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, public school, but, you know. So, uh, but they did, I mean. Uh, how did they like it? Yeah, I was going to uh, ask. The transition was easier than I thought it was. Uh, I think it was probably a little bit harder for his brother because. I wasn't settled in Hawaii yet, so he had to homestay in Midlani with one of my oh. guys that I played football with in high school uh-huh. uh, for three to four months, and they spoke no English. Oh, yeah. that must have been hard. But yeah. at school, I threw him into football first because that's the first sport. And uh, I high school head coach, he's the longest tenure head coach in the state of Hawaii, but he was the defensive coordinator when I was still playing. So, uh, you know, wow. I, so I knew, you know, you know and a couple of my teammates were coaches, and some of the so. You know, I had some pool, you know, and so they, they take care of my boys. So they make friends with, you know, you make friends with the football team. No one really going to screw around with you in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Then they're baseball players. They, they made friends, you know, with the base, the baseball. So the transition was more than when he came. Uh, his brother was in Hawaii for one year already. So I, I, I guess it was an easier transition. But the hardest thing was, I guess... You know how advanced they are in math in Japan, but then uh, both of them, the freshman year, they went flunk math because of the, uh, I guess the language. Oh, mm. interesting. But yeah. my oldest, he's son, like your son's like thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but having, but having said that, he gra- <laughs> he graduated what almost four point three point eight. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, 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 right. His older brother was like three point eight, three point nine too. So I had a hard time in math, and I was born here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I always tell him, I say, hey, what? The, the work, I mean, if studies easier now because we used to like struggle trying to get 3.0. Yeah. But hold oh, it's breezing through him, like 3.8. My water sound, like he came back because he had to take an AP class. Awesome. You know, so. Well, I, I have a client whose kids, you know, they moved here when the kids, I think, intermediate school okay. or just high school about there. And he said, oh, my kids love it because I guess in Japan, you got like cram school and you got like all these tests. And here it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You know, maybe you take a class for SAT or something like that, but it's like way less stressful. But Japan, yeah. uh, so. high, getting into high school, it's not like Hawaii where you go to the high school within your district. Uh, Japan is, getting to high school is going to college. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah super stressful. Yeah. yeah. Opposed the, to from high school to college, it's more, uh, right, getting into high school is it's, it's like going to college. You got to yeah. study for a particular, uh, you know, what not Career? district yeah yeah what yeah. what high school you can go to wow that's why they it's kind of a big thing and yeah. oh, kids yeah. are like killing themselves oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 they call it like you can you yeah. know that whole yeah. study yeah. session yeah. but even at, when i was in japan nighttime i see the kids walking from school oh uh, yeah they, yeah they get a like night uh club class or something crazy know. yeah you would never survive school. Oh, no, I would flunk out. Man. But <laughs> what, was, what was good for my kids was they got to play, because in Japan, basically, you're playing one sport, you're playing one sport. So they're, yeah, base, right, they're baseball true. players, right? So uh, they get baseball for the school, they get baseball for all outside league. You know, you're practicing on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my schedule at the restaurant, the earliest I come home was like midnight, right? So the only time I used to actually see them or sit down and eat dinner with them was Sundays. Mm. You know, weekdays, uh, you know, I get up, they're gone already during school. You know, when I come home, they're sleeping already. Plus, too, your chef lifestyle was nuts, too, right? Oh, bro, it was crazy. Yeah. Bro, I mean, we have, like we have every chef night. friends here. <laughs> they they but, never but you know what's ass. But know? you know Japan, because you can actually, uh, you can buy, go to a restaurant and buy employees drinks, right? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, I mean, well, that's why I say the earliest I, the earliest I come home was like midnight, because I used to pound like uh, at least a bottle and half wine a night. 
Spawny, but the, when I came back here, I just changed my whole lifestyle. I didn't lose weight. I gained weight here because yeah. I eat him. <laughs> I, you know, I probably eat him more, but I, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't. Drink, I don't drink at home. Yeah, you know. But whole oh, Japan was just oh, just fast, fast lifestyle, which which I kind of like. You know. Yeah, it's fun, especially yeah. when you're younger, yeah. right? But since I moved back to Hawaii and before the pandemic, you know, I used to still go back to Japan like every couple months. And uh, since I moved back to Hawaii, when I went, go back to Japan, I never went in the kitchen and restaurant to cook. Uh, I would just go call my customers. They come. I sit down with them, have them spend money, we drink with them. Oh. Yeah, but just kind of do the quality control or maybe introduce uh, a, new, a new trend in food and that's going on in Hawaii. You know, that, that kind of ah, stuff. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What is the um, way to go about promoting your business in Japan? I know here, you know, a lot of people just tend to social media and Instagram and Facebook. Is uh, even some- Japan, social media is big, but uh, I used to, you know, like tell people like Japan, I'm kind of somebody in Japan, you know, but like people here now a little bit because what I do, but they don't know the brand Ogo, you know, it's on the food side. Yeah. But in Japan, so I never paid for advertising uh, because... They would come to me, uh, word of mouth, and it would be all like Hawaii-based magazines, you know, hula leo, whatever it is, and I'll be the. So I never used to have to pay for advertising because, because if you know, like, let's say like Yelp, like, like Guru Navi is a Yelp of you know Yelp of Japan, and you have to pay big money, but in order to get your return on what you pay, you got to do this much revenue. But it's a it, Hawaiian food is a small genre within. So how many yeah, people yeah. are just gonna? But if it's a Hawaiian-based you know, uh, advertising magazine, boom, right there, right? Hawaiian yeah. food. So that's why I used to focus. That's why, I mean, like Hawaiian Airlines gave me a mean plug. Uh, like four years, uh, I mean, 2016, they put me on the in-flight magazine for like two months mm. and, and that kind of stuff. Now, but, you know what's amazing to me? Because when we were Pure Heart, this is, this is 2000, we did a video on Hawaiian Airlines and that thing ran for like six years or something like that it was on forever well, yeah, I still see you guys on thing, you know travel but what i couldn't believe was i would be like i don't know just somewhere and like i go to helena's or something mm-hmm. and someone would go hey i saw you on the plane you're <laughs> the guy that was singing you know and i'm like you remembered my face from the pl- like when i'm on the plane i'm like groggy i'm like not paying attention to anything and to for someone to recognize my face and then you know, a two, couple days later, like still remember that I, I was that that always. You know, I get people that cannot sleep, so they read through everything they yeah. got. <laughs> yeah. the time. That's true. Plus, too, I think your guys' performance was right on the red eye before you go sleep. Right, they turn off the I, lights, they play. I guess you guys. So. Well, yeah. and this is pre. So uh, you're in everybody's dream on the plane. And this is pre pre smartphone too, right? So yeah. people didn't have anything else to look at, so yeah. they're just staring at this thing. But still, yet, I mean. I don't know if I could watch something on a screen and then I'd be walking around Seattle and then see the guy in the commercial and be like, oh, you're the guy that they just saw on the plane, you know, or whatever. It's because you're famous. To me, that's... That's uh, why you think nobody can recognize nah, you. Nah, I just think that's... That's what some, happens. Some people have really good memories. But I think for my restaurant, uh, I mean, but social media is uh, pretty big in Japan. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the Hawaii-based magazines and what the work that I'm doing now, you know, I got a lot of following through the halals. So, mm. uh, so we do like vacuum seal stuff uh you know colopig and we send them you know oh but nice i do want to you know since we are on air or whatever i, I want to thank all the musicians out there because they're uh, they played a big role in nice. uh promoting my place but i yeah. was like oh facebook plug and everybody and especially the japanese people that are in hula that really look up to you know the great musicians that go to japan <coughs> and they, you know and they throw out my name and of course they don't want to go right so 
uh, yeah, I want to shout out to the musicians, all you guys, nice. bro. You, you know what I mean? And that's well, why I try to give back, you know, because musicians got to eat too. Hawaiian musicians, too. you feed them. They will be loyal. <laughs> so they, so yeah. they played a big, they played a big role, and you know, the, all the local people that was up there, you know. But as, as a local Japanese person up there, I'll be kind of stoked to just hang out in the restaurant to see who would come in. No, you, you know? know, you know, it came down to a lot of people met uh, each other uh, at my restaurant, and all high level guys that didn't know each other. Now they're friends here, yeah, or uh, whatever. And you could, I mean, there was one guy. Oh, I like to say his name, but no, there's a couple guys. But there was one guy that used to come to my restaurant every single day. Mm. every single day and people would come by themselves because there's there's almost for sure you're gonna see someone you know so a lot of people yeah. came by themselves sat down on the uh the counter when i had that counterpart and you know order a longboard lager and just sit down and sure enough someone coming oh what's up cash you know you know it was that's how they say it's called it the cheers it's pretty cool bro that is nice and you know what's funny is when when hawaiians go up to japan and they tour and whatever they want to eat japanese food right you know they want to eat the katsus and the this and the that like i remember one time on tour they're taking us to eat spaghetti and pizza and stuff and we're like what's going on here like where's <laughs> the where's the you know but um but the one thing they will eat no matter what no matter where they are is hawaiian food yeah no like, you're if right. a hawaiian you're, is in you're, japan you're, or whatever they'll still eat hawaiian yeah, you're food. Right. Like, you you're, know you're, the, you're but, absolutely right you know, i don't want a pizza when i'm in japan yeah. but if someone hadn't me a bowl of poke or something yeah. i'd be like oh okay i'm, yeah. I'm down with this you know so that's the one thing, yeah. Hawaiian yeah. food but is the pretty. people that live there was just, you know, oh, they, I mean, it was their sanctuary, you know, because another yeah. person I like, you know, shout out to was uh, Chad Rowan, bro. That guy was supporting me, uh, like mean kind. I mean, he he got me on like national Japan like TV programs was oh, you know really? events, you know, stuff where like okay, let's follow Akebono, see what his day is like, and the guy that's doing all the commentating is a famous, you know, a celebrity in Japan who follows him. So, you know, where he goes and where does he end his night? Oh, at Ogos. And, you know, wow, cool, and he man. always used to say this time, oh, you know what? Ogos is that con- uh, telephone charger when you need to get charged. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bro, it was just, it was unreal. I mean, a big shout out to the brother. And, yeah, I mean, that's what segment I like talk to you, uh, you know, offline, uh, you know, because yeah, he's been in the hospital. You know, I, I still talking to his wife last week and hopefully like do a fundraiser, you know, do something, sure. uh, give back. I was talking to some of the musicians, you know, and. Yeah, help out the brothers, you know, like how they can help me out, you know. Sure. But he was yeah. another guy that really, even, uh, yeah. It's a small community, man. Yeah. We all got to chip in when we can. So when the newbies come to Japan and, you know, after a while, you know, you stay in Japan over 10 years, you're more veteran now. And the new people come from Hawaii, come in, you try to help them out, you know, if they're looking for jobs. or They're normally here because they get one job, but, you know, if they don't know Japan that well, you know, or they yeah. need something, we always just help. Or if you can't help, say, you know, you should call this guy. You know, a, you know him. He went grad this year. You know, it was just that's how it was in Japan. It was so cool. Nice. We get the whole unwritten thing, yeah. Like when you see each other uh, first time from Hawaii, oh, was the first question is, uh, "Hey, where are you from?" Which means what high school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 question yeah. is, "What year you grad?" You know. But as soon as they walk in your door, you probably can tell they're from Hawaii, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what really kept me. I mean, it was so cool. Uh, I would half even in Japan, like. 50% of the time I'm speaking English mm. because that's my gimmick. Oh, yeah. I'm speaking English at the restaurant. So I would, there would sometimes be an image of, oh, nah, you cannot go there if you don't know the owner or, or you know, you know, you know, you don't know, you know, like Hawaii, you know, that kind of stuff. I used to get calls and they would try to speak to me in English. Wow. You know, you know cause they think I only speak English, but that's, yeah, that's, that's the whole gimmick thing about the business. Yeah, but, but was, you know, to put out, 
proper local Hawaiian food. Because a lot of the, you know, like Italian food in Japan is awesome, but it's kind of Japanese, which, but the, it's freaking killer, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, I would get input uh, from people saying, hey, you know what, maybe this dish might be too salty, this dish, this, this. I say, you know what, this is how it's supposed to taste like. Mm. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to adjust them, you know. Yeah. To, uh, I mean, s- s- some pe- people say it's bad business, but me, I like keep the authenticity. Yeah? Sure. Is there a number one seller in your restaurant? Like your no, it just for? depends on the people. But I would say a lot, a lot like the Japanese people, not not Hawaiian, would normally be like the Hawaiian place, which would have the kalua pig, you know, the lao lao and and the pokes. But for the local people, I would have. A, when I was there, I would have like 10 different specials I did and I would bust out the adobos, the guisantes, you know, the ginger chicken, you know, that kind, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So uh, a lot of my local people, they wouldn't even look at my regular menu. They come in and just grab that one one sheet of the special, what's on special. Mm. And they know I get lao lao and poke, so they go, oh, whatever, oh yeah, and like the lao lao and like, you know, what poke you get. So they would hardly look at the, you know, the regular, the regular, yeah. I mean, they look at the specials. It was funny, like lunchtime, when I used to do adobo, I was on business district, yeah, Kasaka. A lot of foreign companies and a lot of Filipinos are in IT. Every time, because oh, we put man. the sign downstairs, like, every time adobos get plenty of Filipinos, like, come, <laughs> come up. For real, you know, adobos get Oh, where else can you get adobo in Japan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna find that over there. But, so. so, yeah, I mean, so it was different depending on the, uh, the customers. Hmm. Well, Devin, let's do our, um, our discs. I didn't even get to ask him any questions. Oh. We did like 45 minutes and I just sat here and listened to you guys talk to him about all this <laughs> kind of so stuff. And I was like, oh, I bring my friend on. And well, we don't have I'm to just stop. Just sitting here drinking a beer and hanging out. <laughs> we don't you have guys to talk stop. Story. It was, it was kind of cool. Okay, you, get, you get one question. Yeah, I know. No, it was kind of cool. I, I kind <laughs> of enjoyed it. It, it, was, it was nice. But, it was but, very nice. Because you opened up with, Devin, how do you know Ryoji? <laughs> and then Kyle started. And I went, <laughs> okay, well, that was the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. It's okay. I, I just it's like okay. to learn. <laughs> yes, listen. yes. The two and of you are just sponges. You know, all awesome. the questions I asking is I don't know. But the, if I know, you ask questions, know. you know, you gonna know what he's gonna answer. This is, uh, but I, I do want to uh, promote my what I'm doing right now, though. Uh huh. Yeah, okay. For sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he's the Ogos Alumni uh, Facebook group. Um, one of the things that you'll notice if you go onto that site, and if you know somebody who knows him, they can he, they can invite you on. Can we go on now? Oh, sorry. Uh, we well, no, they're not doing food today because he's here with us. So that was the only part that I felt bad about was if he's here with us, then he's not cooking the food. So sorry, everybody, if you wanted oh. to order on Tuesday, it's our fault. Wait, that's the pictures you take of food when yes, when, when all that food comes out, and you're like, Dev, you get all fat, you eating this food. It's his food. And you never ever brought here no, to I'm share with it. us. No, man, I'm bringing it to you. He can drive. He has drivers. They come come. So, it so it's a Facebook. Uh, it's a private group page called oh, Ogo okay. Alumni. Yeah. And the name from what I, you know, the nine people, the alumni mm-hmm. people. Sorry, but uh, four or five days a week, uh, I do probably the whole island. Not the whole island, but almost all. Just about but, the whole island, yeah. But town. Every time I deliver, uh, most parts of town I do. But uh, kind of west side one day a week, or and Kaneohe side once or twice a week but uh, my guys deliver even one plate but the thing the thing that's uh, unique about the food is the flavors that you've added to stuff because you don't do your menus are never like the same twice I mean you'll you'll try to run something for the week yeah yeah yeah. but you'll get because of the different routes yeah yeah so you'll get you'll get macaroni you know like beef macaroni or something that you remember from small kid time with that cheese and all that stuff right Mm. but then he'll switch something up so you'll have uh, you know, fish katsu, but it's got like a, um, 
a sauce on it that you've never tasted before. And it's I know for him it's all just mad scientist stuff going, oh, let's try this. Because I, I asked him, I, I think I asked you, like, how do you come up with these ideas? Because some of the stuff that he puts together, I go, how, what? <laughs> There's some things that I never made before, but I put it on my menu, you know. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's just... But I want corn beef. He did yeah. corn beef, um, lao lao. Lao lao, yeah. And I went, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I went, what? I but like it was like I one like of the most popular lalos. things. Oh, I love turkey tail lao lao. Yeah. But I try to put things that you know on the menu uh, that you can relate to, but just a little, little, little like Twist like on it. ginger chicken. I don't boneless. Mm. You know, oh, cold ginger chicken. Yeah, I don't boneless. Yeah, you know, you know that that kind. You know. So. so, if you find him on Facebook or you find one of us on Facebook, and we invite you, you just ask us to invite you into the the, the party. Uh, you get invited to the group and the thing that was uh, amazing to me was when they it started to pick up steam you knew it was bad because you would jump on I don't know he would post the thing at like 5 sold and out. by 6 was sold out oh, and gosh. so it became it became you know uh, this game to try to get people called it the hunger game yeah, that, was, that was so yeah, funny and you know what was cool about that too was people that uh, that didn't know each other would just start like commenting uh, you know and, and th that was a good way to get people together too and like when newbies come in and they don't know how to order before I can answer someone else jumps in yeah. and says no you gotta do this you gotta do this and you gotta do this oh. or you're gonna miss your order and order hurry up because <laughs> things the guys sell off too fast you know and you know that kind yeah. of stuff but yeah. but please yeah uh, I mean right now I don't, I don't you know for the most part I always have food I put the order out the night before and you know and we deliver so nice again it's alumni on uh, Facebook just and we'll put the link in yes, our descriptions and yeah. all that stuff but the food is on for you know, I make it, but, you know, not trying to make it, but, and I can put something out there that's not good, mm. you know, or average. The thing is, you know. My thing is somewhere. trying to get him to make the thing again. Because sometimes <laughs> I just miss it. You know I'm what like, I realize about you? What? You spend your whole week hunting down food from people. Yeah. And? Yeah. Like, uh, you okay. hunt down food with Roger. Mm-hmm. Then you then you hunt down Asato, um, Asato, Asato Sherbert. Yes, Sherbert, yes. Uh, hunting down uh, food at Helena's even yeah, though yeah. I know where it is you hunt down food over there yeah, you're yeah. like a, a hunter for food I am but I feel bad I can't go out Kailua that's the thing uh, they would come out meet uh, my driver in Kaneohe oh a <laughs> <laughs> couple, couple, couple times I'm sitting on my couch watching, watching TV and the uh that was that was me, bro. Oh, and that's a, that's a and and I never have met. Uh, you know, we communicate, but I never met him yet. And I was in the delivery, and I was down at his office, oh, and I'm on a show. I said, brother. I wasted, but I was like, then oh I, I, Hawaii Kai drops. I said, you know what? I'm gonna go Hawaii Kai first, and boom, I end Hawaii Kai way back. Is oh, sorry, boo, I stay home already. I forgot all about it. <laughs> I've done that too. Yeah, that was. But I, I gave one customer to come out uh, from La, La Ye oh, wow. to to meet my driver in like Kaneohe. This is once a week, though. Uh, what is that? The, like no, on the average, no, like four to five times, four to five days a week. Wow! But town is almost uh, every time I deliver, almost all parts of town I do. It's just a formality that I gotta put new Arnold Delia or whatever. But yeah. but because I got a driver that lives in Hawaii, Kai, so he's on his way home. I got a uh, driver oh. uh, that lives in. Uh, That's my Kaimuki. hood, yo. There you go, right along, right along the route, right. So the I people that I know, even Hawaii though Kai. I know post their area if they're in town, they they always order, and yeah. I, I take them because you do them, but just. Uh, Windward side and west side, I cannot because west side I gotta do weekend because of traffic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I'm on the week there. So, yeah. well, John, hopefully, um, Devin will yeah. finally invite us, yeah, to the website. You guys have been invited for how long? Uh, don't, don't make like that, bro. You never I, invited I'm us not, to the website. 
Whatever. Anyway. Show me an email. So no, it's not an email, man. It's a Facebook invitation. We have oh, a segment yeah, on this show where we say, um, uh, yes. okay. Music time. Yeah, music time. Yes. So because it's a music show, we have a music question. <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island for the rest of your life, you could only take three albums with you to listen to for and the, it can't be greatest hits the rest albums. of the time. It can't be greatest hits album. What three albums would you take with you? And if people were having a hard time with albums, we were asking them okay, for uh, bands. I'll take Police, Synchronicity. Oh, good oh, one. oh Kyle's happy. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, maybe Bob Marley Uprising. Mm. Hey, that was one of my Look, choices. See, you got them both covered. All right. And Waipuna Emao Ke Aloha. All right. Wow. Hannes is very happy. Yeah, David. Oh, that's great. Okay. Love those guys. Very good. Okay. So I know that... Um, Kyle's just dying to talk about this. So we're going to save this for the <laughs> Patreon, but we're going to spend about an hour and a half more talking about <laughs> imported mini cars. <laughs> so that's going to be our Patreon after this in a second. But everybody, please stick around because we do have Nick Rammer on the, on the podcast. He's going to be talking about the mental health toolkit. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you later. See you. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this special segment of the podcast. I'm here with Nick Rammer from the Mental Health Toolkit. Um, and Nick and I have been kind of communicating over Instagram and um, for the last few months. And now we've got him on the podcast. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I know um, <clears throat> we had the schedule is kind of midday, so it's just going to be you and me chatting. But um, you're in what part of California? I'm in Northern California, right in Sacramento. Oh, okay. And then how did you stumble upon the, po- upon the podcast? I honestly don't know. I was, <laughs> I think I was just kind of looking for something to listen to one day and started listening to it. Um, we, right when all of the COVID stuff happened, we were actually March, so March 17th, 2020, we were in Honolulu. Um, we had just oh. got there for a vacation for nine days, and we actually left after 48 hours to come back to California. Are you serious? So we kinda, yeah, so we kind of missed out on our vacation, and that was kind of something I started listening to during during all the shutdown stuff. And yeah, we. Uh, my wife was in Japan when the pandemic first hit, and so she had to come back, but she only had to cut her trip short a day, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, that's yeah, we, uh, it was the quickest, quickest Hawaii trip ever with uh, three <laughs> little kids, but they, they thought it was the greatest thing ever. So yeah, they could get it back on the plane and fly and do all that again right after. Okay. Yep. All right. And I know that, uh, so maybe for our audience, give us a quick, um, description of the mental health toolkit, and then we'll go into how this came about and what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. Okay, so the toolkit is it's just a backpack filled with simple items that, that we use as behavior analysts working with kids with uh, intellectual disabilities and autism as ways to calm them down when they get frustrated or agitated. Um, but the simple tools that we use, it's something people don't usually think of trying or don't understand how to use them in that aspect to calm them down. So it just kind of gives people who may encounter somebody in an S- state an extra an extra little tool to help help them in that situation yeah so i i was reading your bio and you are you do have a degree in a, a behavioral um correct me it's, it's I, yeah it's criminal justice behavior analysis criminal justice behavior analysis okay very good 
And so as you're sitting there during this pandemic, you come up with this idea of, and I don't think I need to explain to everybody that uh, there's been a mental health. I don't want to, I don't want to be uh, I'm not call it a crisis or anything, but there's definitely a lot more people walking around nowadays that have some, you can see have some issues, you know, from a, from a state of mind point of view. And so you're sitting there during the pandemic thinking that, uh, Hey, with my background, I can, I can do something about this. And so maybe it can be uh, beneficial, right? Yeah. And it actually started to come about before the pandemic even hit. Um, oh. the, 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 it first started watching um, officers from a few different departments, departments over a few different incidents uh, interact with kids with autism on the school campus. And they were great. I mean, they were trying so hard, but they just, the tools they had and the training they had just didn't quite click with the kid. They didn't understand the following the kid around giving him commands. He was enjoying it. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. And it went on for like an hour. Ah. Um, so trying to teach them these skills that we use, um, especially once the pandemic hit, knowing that these kids are going to be out of school for a extended period of time when they come back chances are behaviors are going to be worse and outside of the school. I mean, intellectual disabilities and autism don't, it's not only for kids, but you could have a 30 year old, um, somebody who's chronologically 30 years old, but they could function as a four or five year old. Uh -huh. So this would work with them as well as somebody just suffering from anxiety. Yeah. And I would imagine that most uh, police officers or law enforcement, it's not, you know, they're, they're trained to deal with a, uh, you know, escalating circumstances, but um, I don't think they do, they, they don't do a deep dive into someone with autism or mental, you know, right? No, it's something that they get, uh, they get very little training on in all the departments that I've worked with. They've been very open to receiving any training they can and, uh, and any insight they can on what to do because it is something that, you know, they're, they're dealing with more and more often, but also it's something that's scrutinized when, you know, people looking back after the fact about how it was dealt with. Um, mm -hmm. and it's hard to scrutinize when they don't have the tools or the training or aren't, aren't able to access the tools and training that, you know, people are used to them seeing in other settings. Yeah. So when I, when I kind of started to do my research, cause you, you uh, messaged me a little bit out of the blue and I thought, okay, um, you know, what is this? So I started to do some research and it seems like it's a very simple packet of stuff that it is that uh, people can use. And it doesn't have to be just law enforcement, right? I mean, I, I know you have firefighters and other first responders with these kind of packs, but uh, maybe maybe go through us and explain what the pack is about. Yeah, so the pack, like I said, yeah. And like you said too, it's very simple stuff that's in it. Um, it ranges from, you know, a water bottle of water and a little bag of crackers, um, a stuffed animal, there's a glow stick, a timer, um, some little sensory toys for them to fidget with. There's noise reducing headphones, a communication board that has some um, icons with some words above it, such as sit down, stand up, stop, listen, things like that, um, if the person's not verbal, um, as well as a whiteboard. But the key things in there, um, or the key thing with them is when they're all used together. So the stuffed animal, the crackers, the water, are all rapport building uh, items are all things that when, when they first come on scene, they're going to be able to give it to that person in the crisis and let them know, hey, I'm somebody. Um, then from there, there's the distractor and the sensory items. So the glow stick, and there's a little clicker in there. There are things that can capture.
capture the attention, especially mm. when um, when dealing with autism. They're they're so tunnel focused that you know they're that they're mad about something, they're frustrated about something. If you can get their attention onto something else, they're now going to focus on that, and it's going to be a lot easier to de-escalate them. And then from there, you can use that timer to show how long they have till somebody's there to pick them up, or you can use the communication board. Um, a lot of times, when they are escalated, their uh, processing goes down. So you you telling them something, it may take them 20 to 30 seconds to process that, but if you pair it with the icon cards that are in there, such as you're telling them to sit down, but if you show them and point them to the picture of somebody sitting down, it's gonna process a lot faster for them and help them get out of the state they're in and help them become more to a baseline or a, a typically calm state, uh, whatever whatever their normal state is. Mm. And, and you've already tried this in, in California. I, I believe you have some uh, departments and using the packet, right? Yeah, we actually have 34 departments um, that have them. There's 107 packs out there at this time, um, ranging all the way from South Carolina to there is a department um, that just received one in Hawaii. Oh, um, nice. and they're starting to try it out and see if they can use it. So. Yeah, and I guess so. Um, I know that a lot of uh, the, at least, well, I shouldn't speak in, in terms of I know what's going on, but it seems as though a lot of the people who are impaired walking around Honolulu are also dealing with some substance abuse issues, you know? Does this also apply to that? I mean, in the sense that it can help people who are maybe, you know, not, not all there um, from a chemical imbalance point of view, not just autistic, but, you know, from a outsourced third party um, reasoning to help them calm down too. Um, as far as being designed specifically for that, that's kind of out of my realm of expertise. But, you know, looking at the items in there, um, they can be used for anything. It's, it's simple everyday items that maybe somebody that has more experience in substance abuse uh, and stuff like that may say, hey, given, you know, giving anybody water or giving anybody a cracker or something like that is mm. going to be a rapport building item um, and it's going to gain their attention. It just changes. It changes how you approach that person and you may get a better response. Yeah. So, so Nick, I know your goal is to raise funds for these things. I, I see on the website that uh, you can donate to get packs to police departments and, and first responders um, in different states. What else can our listeners do if they, well, I guess they can check out the website, but what are other ways that they can get involved and, and kind of just get more information about these packs? They can always reach out. There's a contact link on there if they have any questions about it or kind of what we are um, outside of it. Um, but the two biggest things, like you said, are one is donating, obviously, because the the goal is for departments to not have to pay for it. So up front, mm. we, we always try to give the first pack as well as as much training they want um, as they want for free. That's the goal. So they get one in hand. And then from there, we start working with them on how to community sponsorship so in the end they don't have to pay for any packs um, would be the goal um, the other thing that they can always do is if they know somebody who's a first responder they know somebody you know somebody reached out to an owner of a small airline in california and said hey this may benefit you guys on the plane something that i never thought about um reaching out to um or uh -huh. doing but they reached out and said hey this may benefit us um or you know there there's so many departments um, across the United States that 
I don't I don't know where the need for it is. You know, I we kind of watch the news and stuff and say, hey, we've seen them on the news a couple of times uh, with mental health uh, incidents pop up. So we'll reach out to them. But if you know somebody, have them reach out to me. We'll do whatever we can to get them a pack or help them make a pack or get them to train for it. I was going to say, how do you handle it? Because with, you know, a hundred something packs out there and how do you handle the training? Is it all, are you the, are you the main trainer? <laughs> like, are you running around doing training? I, I am. Okay. It's really, it's really just me right now. Um, I have two buddies that are helping me do this. So one helped me create the website. One's helping me on the business end. Um, but as far as training on how to use it, it's just me. And if, you know, if they're close, I'll try to go do it in person. But the easiest way we found to do it right now is Zoom. That way they can record it um, and show it as as it's ongoing, um, which I guess has kind of been a blessing of all this uh, is learning how to use Zoom and being able to reach more people. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So what would you say? I mean, uh, would you say that we as a, well, I, I know you can't state, you can't speak for the country, but do you feel like things are going in the right direction or with more services and more funds being put toward mental health uh, as it's become a, a larger and larger issue, you know, in, in all the talking points on podcasts and news outlets and things like that? Or do you still feel there's a big void that needs to be filled in the handling of uh, mental health and people being out there just um, needing support? I think it's such a hard area to touch on because everywhere, so different. Um, uh, I mean, we're lucky that area that I work in, um, there's so much collaboration between our police department, our fire department, our school district, our school district police department. Um, everybody here works together on how, how do we all respond in the same manner? Um, and it's, re it's really nice. I mean, they've all been open to receiving training. I mean, same thing with all the other departments. All the departments I've reached out to have been so open to receive training on how can we learn more how to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say because we're, we're in such a small bubble right now. Um, and in California, especially, we, we've been lucky. All the kind of the area that I live in, uh, there's so much focus on special education in the school districts. Uh, two of our school districts up here have some of the biggest autism programs in California. Um, oh, wow. So those, commu those communities are all very supportive of it, which makes it nice and everybody's willing to kind of do, do their part and, you know, kind of be open to, to it as far as the public and stuff. Um, but as far as the country, I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say with watching the news and stuff without actually being there um, yeah. and actually seeing how the response is from people and stuff. Well, it just seems as though it gets, it's just continually getting worse and worse and more and more people are, you know, living on the street and becoming, um, you know, disenfranchised and whatnot. And so uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, maybe one of these days we have to have you as a long-term guest and we can kind of kind of dig deeper into that rabbit hole. But yeah, it seems as though it's not getting better, but it's nice to see people are out there trying to make a difference like yourself and uh, with something that's relatively inexpensive and um, yeah, can, can de-escalate some situations, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I think the, I think as far as one thing that's really helping from what I've seen here is there's so much, there's such a large focus on early intervention for um, identifying people with autism and other disabilities and mm -hmm. getting 
starting to get them in programs as early as like 18 months old. Um, and it's amazing the turnaround they see with the developments that have come around lately from you know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been identified in somebody until they were in elementary, late elementary, early middle school. And now they're identifying it when they're kids, uh, little infants. And then by the time they're in preschool, kindergarten, they were already getting services in the second third grade. Hopefully they're back in the general education setting and, you know, working with their typical peers and stuff like that. Yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live just mention something about he was on the spectrum or something like that? I, I heard about that. I didn't watch it, but I heard he said something. I have not had a, I have not gone back and let's see what he said. But I, I yeah. think he did say, did say he was on the spectrum in some form or another. That would be kind of a nice, uh, you know, like, hey, Elon Musk is, you know, like you can do kind of, he's the smartest man in the world. So, you know, autism or no autism, you can still do something pretty amazing, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, some of these, some of the kids I get to work with are hands down some of the smartest kids I've ever met the, the abilities they have. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to use the word disability with them because it's just, they just learn different. Um, and sure. there's some, you know, there's, they're smart and they're, once, once people kind of realize and they're willing to talk to them and play with them and stuff, they're just like any other kid. Same with the people that just like any other person. Um, it's, they, they just have, you know, they, they, they think a little bit differently. Their mind works different than, than us. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think everybody has is some kind of spectrum of, um, you know, I tend to, uh, you know, this person tends to be a little bit more social. This type of person is a little, little bit more quiet. This person can draw. This person has a musical talent. I think. You know, it's just a, it's just everything is kind of a spectrum and just where you land and you just yeah. have to use the tools you have, you know, and, um, and, uh, you'd be okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I think one of the biggest things that we always work on, um, is, you know, just being accepting of everybody. And, yeah, know, definitely. You can, you can always learn something from anybody and anybody can learn something from you. So. Exactly. Well, well, Nick, thanks to you so much for, for uh, doing this. Um, we'll put the website in the description and, and uh, maybe I can somehow like figure out to put it on the screen over here or something like that. If people want to learn a little bit more and you're pretty active on uh, social media and emails and all that stuff. So if people want to reach out and get more information about the mental health toolkit, they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to reach out and, you know, I try to respond within a day. I would say the best way to do it is to contact uh, use the contact form through the website. Um, oh, that okay. That's directly, the best way. Yeah. That goes directly to the email and that's where um, you'll get the quickest response. Okay. I want to, um, we'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye to the listeners right now, but I want to stay on with you a little bit longer because I want to talk about your connection to Hawaii and um, your, your more, more about your two day trip. <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good so this, is, this is the first time we're meeting too for everybody who's uh listening to the podcast or watching the podcast so uh, because uh we didn't have much time to to talk before we jumped on the recording i just want to get to know nick a little bit better so we'll do that in a minute and uh we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming in just a second <laughs> 